This is One Bills Live, presented by Kaleida Health. Good afternoon, everybody. It's a Monday, and we are in the last week of June. How did that happen? Chris Brown, Maddie Glab with you. Steve on vacay this week, and uh, this is going to be a popular thing that's going to be taking place <laughs> during about the only stretch in the calendar where people like Maddie and myself, who are NFL employees, have to have time to take off. It's the only dead period, really, in the NFL calendar. So there will be people in and out over the course of the next three, four weeks. So we'll uh, we'll keep the thing moving. Actually, we'll act. We'll be going dark next week, which is the ultimate dead week <laughs> here at One Bills Drive. Because really, I can yeah. tell you right now, Maddie, myself, and the people in the control room probably make up about eighty-five percent of the people in this building. It is dead in here today. <laughs> it, it, but that's the time of year that it is. Uh, now the building is a lot fuller because uh, Jim Kelly's got his football camp going on here in the field house. And there's kids running here, there, and everywhere, as is usually the case. Sold out once again this year. So just just a fantastic run by Jim. I mean, this guy's like almost 30 years removed from playing, and his camp is as popular as it's ever been. It really is a testament uh, to Jim the person, uh, more so than Jim even as a player and a Hall of Famer. So kudos to him for still keeping it rolling because it's enormously popular and it just doesn't seem to change, which is great. It's great uh, to see Western New York still turn out and get their kids to this camp where they learn a lot of stuff, both on the field and off. So good to see Jim. I saw him addressing the media earlier today that was out here to kind of report on his camp and whatnot. So that was good to see. And I I know you saw it. There's about 400 kids running around. I walked in. I was like, what is going on today? (laughs) (laughs) There are so many cars in the parking lot. And it's the end of June. Where did everybody come from? Yeah. Well, because nobody's around. We had to park in a different lot this this morning because they they left the field house (laughs) lot open for all the parents driving the kids in to camp. And it's nice, you know, Jim and his crew here, they they let the the parents that want to stay, you know, maybe they got some of the kids on the younger end, eight and under, and they want to stay all day, kind of keep an eye on things. Totally fine. He's cool with it. And, you know, they all got their fold-out pop-up chairs, and they're just hanging out, running to Tim Hortons, coming back. <laughs> it was just, I don't know. I just remember those camp days. So it's kind of good to see uh, some activity in the building when the place is practically a ghost town. But we've got another week to bring to you, and we, you know, creep one week closer to training camp. I don't think – Either of us are ready for it quite yet, but we know it is on the horizon and it is fast approaching. And so we'll get to our Bills topic in short order. There isn't a tremendous amount of stuff going on around the league, but there are a few little tidbits that we wanted to pass along uh, to you. There was one list, Maddie, that Bill Barnwell from ESPN.com put out. Top team skill position rankings. Now, this does not include quarterback. Basically, the talent level of each team's roster at receiver, running back, and tight end. The Bills, on this list of 32 teams, obviously, in the NFL, ranked 20th. Last year, they were ranked 9th. And I found that very interesting because... The receiving core only has three returning players from last year, um, and they drop to 20th. So 
Actually, they were ninth in 2021, 10th in 2022. They dropped from 10th to 20th. And the reason he cites for the downgrade is Gabe Davis coming off a subpar season last year. And then he also threw in how Dawson Knox's touchdown total went down from nine to six from 21 to 22. Those are his major reasons. And even though Dalton Kincaid is an exciting new option in the passing game, his research and history shows that rookie tight ends don't always set the world on fire as anticipated. I don't know about that, though. I think he might be an exception to the rule. We've seen a lot of him in the spring. He's getting a he's lot of time good on the field. in the spring. And I know the pads aren't on yet. Right, right. And it's not it's hard true to physical football yet, but it seems, it, I don't know about you, but it seemed to me the offensive staff was making a concerted effort to get him as much time on the field as possible. Yeah, I, I mean, that makes sense. Regardless of the role he's going to play this year within the offense, your first-round pick offense or defense, even if they're going to have a small role, even if you're planning for them to be folded into the mix later on in the season, however that may look, it makes sense to throw him out there right now when you have throughout OTAs, and I know mandatory minicamp was mandatory, but OTAs, you have some guys that aren't there. Um, you're able to get some more reps. Some of those younger guys, Dawson Knox was around for a lot of OTAs and was there for mandatory minicamp. Um, but it's a good introductory period for these guys without the pads. You're going slow tempo usually. They do do some team periods, um, but they're stopping throughout those team periods to to – teach and to fix and to have veterans show some of the younger guys these are how this is how this thing should have been done do it this way you ran this route this way let's tweak it to be this way you saw Josh Allen talking to a lot of the receivers and a lot of the offensive players throughout practices and things like that so it's a time for everybody to start to get on to that right page um, so it was good to see Dalton Kincaid in the mix there as much as possible. And I would expect to see a lot of the same in training camp if they want this guy, if they want this tight end uh, to be a part of this offense. You look at him, you look at the the tape that he had in college, you look at his makeup uh, and everything that people have said about him, and it makes sense to want to have him in the mix with the offense that we had last season. There's a lot of newness in the wide receiver room, like you said. Mm -hmm. This is somebody who could be a type of X factor. Um, not a gadget guy like Isaiah McKenzie at all, but a big slot person. And we know how important that slot role is for Josh Allen as a quarterback. Yes, it was more important as he was a younger quarterback, kind of as a fail-safe option for him within the offense. Um, but having a big slot, if this is the role that Dalton Kincaid is going to play um, or being able to move him around the offense, you're going to want him to have as many reps as possible as he moves along yeah. uh, that, that line on the offense. Barnwell did give the Bills credit for reshaping the running back room. He, he liked the acquisition of Damian Harris, who he would expect the Bills to utilize much the same way the Chiefs last year used Isaiah Pacheco, kind of that downhill running threat to pound light boxes and punish them for yards. And I would tend to agree with that. I, I do think it's going to be a committee backfield, and that's probably a discussion mm -hmm. we'll have on another day at some point in time before we get to training camp. But 
the bottom line is nobody believes anything is proven on the offensive side of the ball aside from Allen and Diggs. And I think that's why people look at Buffalo's offense and say, well, they're going to have to prove it. Um, it's funny, they don't even mention <laughs> Trent Sherfield or Deontay Hardy anywhere in Barnwell's write-up. For those wondering, the Chiefs were 19th. The highest-ranked AFC East club was Miami at 8. And the top three teams, Maddie, were San Francisco, Cincinnati, and Philadelphia on this rankings list. They were 1, 2, and 3. I would just submit all three of those teams have quarterbacks on a rookie deal. So it's easy to accumulate a lot of other talent Mm -hmm. at the other skilled positions when your quarterback's still on a rookie deal. Whether it's Trey Lance or Brock Purdy and San Fran is immaterial. We're talking about the financial commitment here. The, The Bengals are eventually going to be paying Joe Burrow, maybe even before the season starts when he gets a monster extension. But this is where the rubber meets the road for Cincinnati. They're going to have to change their roster, much the way we've seen the Chiefs and the Bills change their roster after they had to pay the quarterback. Philadelphia is probably still a year or two away, but they're all going to be traveling down that road sooner or later. The Ravens are 15. They've had to pay their quarterback as well. So you just see, did it. They just did it. So you see teams uh, who have quarterbacks on second and third contracts uh, that are a little bit closer to the 20s, teens, rather than being one, two, and three. Things are going to change for Cincinnati in the next couple of years. I'm interested to see what that year, number probably. is going to be for for their quarterback and also see what changes within the offense. Who can they afford uh, with some of those wideouts? How do they make some of those tweaks to the roster because we've seen the Chiefs do it over the last few years. The Bills have had to do it over the last couple of years, and it changes what you can and can't do on offense. Yeah, T. Higgins' contract is up after this year, and the general consensus is if you're paying Burrow over $50 million a yeah. year and you got to sign Jamar Chase it's in the next and- year or two, you can't pay two receivers that kind of money when you're paying your quarterback over $50 million a year. So it's probably T. Higgins' last season in Cincinnati. So if they're going to make it happen, it's got to happen this year because things are going to change as you pointed out. I was reading the NFL um, did a urgency meter for a bunch of teams. Yeah. Uh, they posted it a few days ago. I don't know if you guys already yeah, talked about talked this on the show. Yeah, we talked a little bit because the Bills but, were at the top. Yeah, but to your, t- <laughs> to your point, the Bengals are up there too. They're yep. at 9.4, um, which is the fourth highest urgency meter uh, mm-hmm. uh, part of the teams that were in this write-up because Joe Burrow is still on that rookie deal. you got to try and get it done. Is it going to work for them? Chargers, same thing with Herbert. Yeah. You know, so – Those rosters will have to change Mm -hmm. considerably once they pay their quarterbacks the money they're probably going to be demanding here sooner rather than later. There is NFLPA news that's expected to come down this week. NFLPA leaders are expected to elect a new executive director by Thursday of this week. So union people on the union staff have been asked to attend a meet and greet with a new leader on June 29th, that is Thursday. Senior staff had to be there earlier. They will be there on Tuesday and Wednesday, and that's when player reps from each team will be there. So the search has been a mystery. Like some of the most plugged-in national reporters 
that cover these kinds of things, they do not have a single name as to who the candidates are. I'm, I'm shocked at this day and age, Maddie, that we have seen no names as to who the new executive director could be. We haven't even seen a candidate's list. <laughs> like, nothing. I mean, I'm sure it's down to a short list now, probably like two or three people. But they may have already whittled that down to a single person, and then they're just going to have all the player reps feel the person out and say, is this the right person for the job? Because as we know, uh, Demora Smith is going out, I think, in the next year or two here. And this will be the new um, executive director of the NFLPA, Mm -hmm. which is probably a good time for them to do it. You know, there's still a good deal of time left on the current CBA, uh, which was just extended. So, you know, it's a good time if you're going to make a change at the top to make a change at the top. You don't want to do it when you're six months out from a new CBA (laughs) negotiation. Let the new person kind of get their feet under them and get settled into the role. But I am stunned that people like stuff leaks. You know what I mean? There's too many people in the NFLPA for that not to leak. Keeping a secret for about a month with all this stuff. That's crazy. Yeah. But it makes sense, too. This is the time for some of these things to happen, too. Things like this shifts and naming new people to an executive director role in the offseason before things get busy, like you said, before the new CBA, all of that. Um, stuff happens in, in June and July, even, even when players and, and coaches aren't around. Yeah, I imagine it'll leak before we get to Thursday because yeah. now you're bringing player reps in, mm-hmm. and those are players who – you know, national a lot, reporters a lot more people have, are going to know the secret here in a few yeah, have real days. access to. I, I just I can't believe it's been kept quiet mm-hmm. for almost a month, as you pointed out. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> this this story makes me laugh. Um, there was a suspect alleged to be selling dirt online, <clears throat> claiming the dirt mm. is from the Bills new stadium. site. Mm. So. Whether the dirt is legitimately from the site or not is probably up for debate. If it is, though, the Erie County DA is going to have to be on the case. John Flynn is going to have to investigate that because if he if the dirt is, in fact, from the site. It's going to be trespassing, like criminal trespassing, all that kind of stuff. Did you see anybody, like, walking off with a pocket full of dirt out there at the groundbreaking, Manny? You know this is what? the question. I, I did not, but we had a conversation after the groundbreaking ceremony, me and a couple of coworkers, uh, and we said, you know, people sell dirt. They sell sand. Tom Brady, yeah, where Tom he Brady retired, sand. The, he, the sand was being sold from the beach to where he, around from where he retired. We said... We would not be surprised if dirt starts to be sold. Lo and behold, a couple days it starts to pop up on eBay or wherever it was uh, being sold or listed. Not surprised at all. It yeah. made me laugh, but I am not surprised. Yeah, it was funny <laughs> though because I mentioned how trespassing could be one of the charges um, if they weren't authorized authorized to be at the construction site, but they could also be charged with theft if they were allowed to be there but didn't get permission. To take the dirt. It's like, hey, could you see this now? What are you in for? Uh, I'm in for theft and embezzlement. <laughs> oh, really? What just how much money you take? No, nah, it wasn't money. Oh, would you steal like some artwork or something out of a gallery? <laughs> no, I stole some dirt. <laughs> Come again? <laughs> some expensive dirt. Now this is the the only reason why I'm still laughing is because when I first started in radio, I started at an oldie station. Mm-hmm. 
and we gave away firewood on the air. People would call. I gave, I'm not lying when I say this. I gave away topsoil on the air. We had a topsoil sponsor, like a yard and landscaping okay. sponsor. Okay. And I would give hey. away topsoil on the air, and people would call for free dirt. Do you have any dirt or sand from anywhere that means anything to you? I do not. Because I do. Oh, you do? From where? I have sand from my high school softball field that I played on for four years. Me and a couple seniors our last season took dirt from the field. And then I also... And I don't know if I have it anymore. I had it. Now my parents have cleaned out my high school bedroom since I've been gone. It's been a while. Um, but I also had at one point Field of Dreams dirt when we visited the wow. Field of Dreams. In Iowa, right? Oh, yeah. I'm, wow. I'm that type of person. That's a good one. Yeah. My son, who is an undergrad at the University of Georgia, has confetti from the SEC title game last That's year a good on one the to field. Collect. So he scooped some of that up. And one of his buddies was actually working the national championship game in California. And he's like, you got to get me confetti. <laughs> so he got I'll him some confetti $50. from SoFi after the game. Yep. So he's got that. And they're all in Ziploc bags and stuff. So, yeah, he's got some good ones after just a year at college for sure. Uh, so I thought, I, I don't know. We'll see what happens with uh, the dirt suspect. But I thought that was kind of funny to see a guy trying to hawk dirt. You, and you, I'm not for nothing. You know, it's a guy. There's no, there's no woman in her right mind who is going online and selling dirt Trying to from sell a construction site. Yeah, women are a lot smarter than that. That is not happening. There is no would, woman on this earth to doing. Agree that. with you, Brownie. <laughs> it's just not something they would even entertain. I can, <laughs> I feel like I can confidently uh, say that. Topic at hand, though, for you today deals with this Bills roster. You know, we continue to pour over it in many different ways, taking different looks at it, angles, etc. And we all know that everyone has their favorites. We all know that there are fans out there that have high hopes for a player that might be either new to the roster or hasn't stepped into a major role yet, but could this year. So with that in mind, our question for you today is, who is the one Bills player that you believe People are sleeping on. And this doesn't have to be like a long shot guy to make the roster. We're talking about any name on this roster you want that you think could really light it up this year. Who is that one player for you that you think people are sleeping on, but you think is going to really kill it this year? 803-0550-1888-550-2550, the number to get on board. Or you can hit us up on the tweet sheet. At one Bills Live. Do you have any? Was there a player that came to mind immediately for you, or there was one that came to mind immediately um, as I was driving in today? My name, and I could go through this roster, probably pick ten guys that I think people are sleeping on, or I think who are people that could take that next step, um, or people who are overlooking. My mind went to James Cook. Yeah, 
I've interacted with him a little bit this offseason, and it just seems like he does not feel like a rookie anymore. And it seems like that in the way that he's talking, in his confidence level. You know, you have that first year where you're learning everything. You're learning your schedule. You're learning life outside of college football, how to be an NFL player, how to adjust to an offense or a defense offense for James Cook. Obviously, that is way different than the offense that you ran in college. And I know Georgia is not really a vanilla offense um, because they they have talented people on their roster every single year and they win games against really good teams. But I feel like going through this offense for a year, James Cook is feeling more comfortable. He's feeling more confident. And I think that will lead him to having a sort of a breakout season here with what he's able to do and the ways that Ken Dorsey feels comfortable using him in year two as the play caller of this I offense. I think there's a good chance he could catch like 50, 50 yeah. balls this year just on swing passes. I mean, they will probably split him out a little bit too, but I could just see him being a popular swing pass target, screen target, et cetera. So I think he could catch 50 balls easy. And this is a guy that led the league last year in explosive play rate. Mm-hmm. Now, Part of that's due to the fact that he didn't get a ton of time on the field. So the sample size is small. So if he had 10, 12 explosive plays and he only had 80 touches, well, then the the ratio is going to be good. But you would think that more would lead more opportunities would lead to more explosive Mm -hmm. plays. So that's exciting to think about uh, with him. And I would tend to agree with you. I think that's that's a good choice uh, for a guy that people are sleeping on. I think another player that people are sleeping on is Greg Rousseau. Yeah. Um, year three has proven to be a breakout year for a lot of players during the Bean McDermott era. This is a guy that finished with eight sacks and got his last four on a bad high ankle sprain because he missed three games, so he essentially plays in only 13 games, has eight sacks, and played probably the last eight games that he was in on a less than 100% ankle. Yeah. So when he began the season before the injury, four sacks in four games. Mm -hmm. Then had the injury in week five and kind of hobbled around a little bit the rest of the season. And it was a quiet eight sacks. Yeah. I mean, with all the attention that you would anticipate being paid to Leonard Floyd, who we know should be healthy for the start of the season, and Von Miller whenever he comes back, I, I just, I don't know what it is, but I just feel like, Rousseau is just going to kind of put it all together and get to double digits in the sack department this year. So I don't know if I could say people are sleeping on him. I think there's a healthy amount of the Bills fan base that really likes him. Yeah, yeah. Um, But I don't think enough people realize just how good he is, and hopefully he can finally show it in terms of production, uh, the kind of player he can be for this football team after being a first-round pick three years ago. But you let us know what you think. Who is the one Bills player – you think people are sleeping on for 2023. Let's go to the phones, and we go to Ron in Pennsylvania to lead us off. What do you got for us, Ron? Chris, Maddie, thanks for taking my call. Sure. Well, yeah, I believe the addition of Puna Ford is going to make a big difference on our defense, and with the coach getting more aggressive, we're going to have more turnovers. But the one guy I'm watching for this year is James Cook. Yeah. With a new offensive line, he ought to be able to tear it up. Yeah, I mean, uh, you're in Maddie's boat, and I understand why. I would say, I would say the only question, Maddie, is how much of a committee backfield are we looking at? That's here? a good point. That's you know, a really good he's point. A, he's an under 200 pound yeah. back, 
So there is a wear and tear factor I think you have to be wary of as an offensive coaching staff um, because you want that explosive potential to still be a part of his game after playing 17 regular season games in the playoffs. Mm -hmm. And if he's got 250 carries or 250 touches even, you know, you wonder, is he going to lose a little burst, you know, by the end of the year? Is his body tired or his legs dead? All that kind of stuff. So I'm very interested to see how they divvy up the workload between him, you know, Damian Harris, does Naheem Hines factor in here? Is Latavius Murray yeah. on the 53-man roster, or is he a veteran on the practice squad like Duke Johnson last year? How does that all fit, I think, is going to be an interesting... And it's not like the committee of running backs are just like some average Joes. Yeah, We exactly. have a really good yeah. running back room this year. Not saying that it was last year either, but you 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 didn't really have that third guy last year that would that would be able to kind of rep in with the other mm-hmm. two running backs and Devin Singletary, Naheem Hines. I mean, James Cook, Naheem Hines, Damian Harris. They all can do different things for this offense. They all have different strengths um, with what they're able to do. Damian Harris is your ground and pound type of guy. They needed that guy on this offense, and they're going to use mm-hmm. him. So I think it's a great point. How often do they use each of those running backs? And do we see a little bit more of a balanced offense this season because you have truly three running backs, maybe even four if Latavius Murray is on that 53-man roster that they could add him into the mix? I mean, he's got size like you can't find those types of running backs, really. No question about it. Let's go back to the phones and to Judy in Buffalo. What do you got for us, Judy? Um, well, I, I think it's going to be Shakir. Okay. Uh, last year, Josh Allen had a lot of confidence in him. He threw him more often than I thought he would. I don't know if he's a replacement for Cole Beasley. I don't. I don't even. I, I'm not so sure what what his position is. But I, I think he's going to be a, um, a, a very important piece to this offense. Yeah, I mean, I like those thoughts, Judy. Uh, Shakir was on my short list mm-hmm. for sure. I think the only thing that's that doesn't have me a hundred percent confident that he's going to kind of break out here in year two is because of all the other candidates they have yeah. for that position. Trent Sherfield is a guy who we had in studio, and you know he even told us right after he signed. They told him he's going to see slot work, which he saw in Miami as well. So he's a guy that's going to be part of that competition. We know Deontay Hardy is probably going to see some time inside. And then, as you mentioned at the top of the show, Kincaid is going to be a guy that's going to be lining up detached, presumably in the slot a lot. So, again, we go back to usage, snap count. Is he is he getting 40 snaps every week? Or is it 12 snaps against this opponent and then 50 the next week against the next opponent? These are all questions we can't answer right now, but I think his snap count is going to go a long way in determining just what he's going to provide for this. Yeah, I mean, you talked about James Cook and wanting to make sure he's ready to go for the end of that season, the wear and tear that happens on a running back and even the workload that he had last year. While it wasn't an incredible amount, it was some. And you look at Khalil Shakir, only 10 catches last year for 161 yards. Uh, He started in two games, played in 14 total. So this is a guy who should be coming into this season with the freshest of legs. Um, And you also think about that to to a type of advantage as well. 
teams don't have a lot of tape on him, so he can be used as, as a weapon in that regard. But you wonder about the wide receiver room and, and the number that they're going to keep on the final 53 and, and the competition that we're going to see in training camp. And, and if by the end of training camp we're truly able to tell, okay, this guy's going to be used for this, this guy's going to be used for this, uh, how is Khalil Shakir going to kind of kind of fall into that as well because he caught some balls in OTAs again I know I know there's no pads on but he had some nice catches where it was like this guy could be an advantage in the offense I think there and I I talked about this with former Bills receivers coach Chad Hall when we had him on the show at training camp last summer I was like is it me or does Khalil seem to have this route savvy to his game that kind of makes him feel wise beyond his years. Mm -hmm. and, and I'm talking to him, you know, about a fresh behind, a wet behind the ears rookie. And our MSG viewers are looking at the exact play that I'm sure Judy was thinking of. This is in the playoff game, the wildcard game. It's third and 10. And they're at like their own 19-yard line. Josh chooses Shakir over the middle in tight coverage to make a play for them. You know, or the game is on the ropes. And he makes a huge play in that game. He's and got some good hands. Yeah, I would say that in down at the end of the season, what they saw from James Cook, Kyir Elam, and Khalil Shakir, I think bodes very well for last year's draft class as far as making a difference this year. And, and Shakir is definitely in that group. We've got to take a break here, though, because we're up against it. But Chance in Alabama, Ricky in Buffalo, stay where you are. We'll get to you when we return. More of your phone calls as we're asking you, who is the one Bills player that you believe people are sleeping on? It's One Bills Live presented by Collider Health. This is Buffalo Bills Radio. All right, back here on One Bills Live on a Monday. Chris Brown, Matty Glab with you, and we're discussing – who you believe is the one Bills player you think people are sleeping on for the 2023 season. 803-0550, the number to get on board, one 888 Got an open line for you there. But as we wait for you to make your phone call, we go to Chance in Alabama next. What do you got for us, Chance? Oh, okay, go ahead and get it. Chance, are you with us? Since you want to be help as right. I'm going to... Hang on there, Chance. He's dealing with stuff on the home front, <laughs> so we'll let him square that away. And uh, we'll go to Ricky in Buffalo next. What do you got for us, Ricky? Well, how you doing, sir? Good. Yes, I, I like James Cook myself. I, I always liked him in Georgia when I was watching him for four years in college. And mm -hmm. national team champions. We got a national team champion. We're running back on our team finally. I mean, it's been a long time to have somebody national have a good relationship with our team that he's a good running back. Does Dorsey have to get him a good use? And I like Russo. Russo is one of, the, one of the, I think, one of the best defensive and young bloods in the league right now. And they got to use some real good here. Good, good business outside a little bit. He can run and rush the ball. And I, I feel those are good products right now. Yeah, I like those picks, Ricky, because um, you're <laughs> you're basically agreeing with Maddie and me. She picked James Cook. I picked Greg Rousseau. Uh, and, yeah, I think we, we have high hopes for both of those guys. Um, I'm trying to I'm trying to wrap my head around, you know, trying to envision how games are going to unfold and how that could impact, you know, how much. Because we talked about Cook's playing time and how much that's going to impact 
what he does, the yeah. difference he can put on mm-hmm. a game. You could probably say the same thing for Rousseau with how much they rotate the yeah. defensive linemen in and out. And Von Miller's health and how, how soon too. he's available. Because if he's available quickly, then how does the defensive line and truly the edge rushers look with Von Miller and Leonard Floyd and Greg Rousseau and other guys who can rotate through? Is Greg going to play more time? Or are we going to see him and Leonard kind of split depending on what they're seeing with the opposing offense that they're getting from down to down? And thinking of the defensive line as a whole, um, I just think they, they've – gotten a little bit more on the interior this season too to to help these guys on the end out I mean Ed Oliver is I feel like the type of guy to where he just signed this contract extension I believe we're going to see a lot more from him this year I believe that type of motivation um, some of the incentives and things that he could earn mm-hmm. will help him this season um, a Daquan Jones we saw what he did last year a healthy Jordan Phillips as, as he's getting into the fold and I think Puna Ford is going to be great for this team defensive line with the type of guys that they can rotate through who can be strong people on the inside to free up Vaughn and Leonard and Greg to to do what they need to do and Shaq Lawson and AJ Epinesa throw all those guys in there um I'm I'm interested to see how Boogie and AJ fit into all of this because we have been missing the consistency from them and they need to prove that in training camp and then they need to prove that in the season. Yes, they've had flashes where, where they have been impact players in games and, and during plays, um, but it hasn't been consistent. It's been a little less consistent. Ed Oliver, a lot of people have said, and even Brandon Bean, the consistency needs to be there for Ed, Ol- Ed yep. Oliver. The consistency needs to be there even more for Boogie and AJ. And if they didn't believe there should be a sense of urgency to their game come training camp, the Leonard Floyd signing in June is basically the warning shot. Like, it hasn't been good enough behind Vaughn and Greg, so get it together because this guy's done it before mm-hmm. and he's going to be on the field unless you show us otherwise. So Almost and, 30 sacks in the last three seasons. Yeah. <laughs> so that guy's going to be on the field. So you got to measure up or you're not going to be getting a lot of playing time. You may not even be on the roster. Yeah, that'll That's be how deep that defensive see. line has gotten. Mm-hmm. Back to the phones, and we'll try a second time. Chance in Alabama, you ready? Hey, thanks for taking the call. Sure. Hey, uh, I, you know, I don't know if it's called sleeping on or, you know, who I, what I'm worried about is will we get our number one corner position back. Uh, Tredavious White, he had, you know, his ACL tear. He went through some stuff with the DeMar Hamlin. Um, you know, so I, I, just, I think in this you know, NFL in today's day and age, when you're facing Tyreek Hill, when you're facing Jalen Waddle, when you're facing all the great receivers in this league, you almost have to have a shutdown corner. You almost needed Darrell Revis. Um, and I don't know if we're going to find that uh, in Tredavious. Can he get his mental game back? Because I think, you know, I, I, he had the skills before the injury, and he's not chomping at the bit trying to get back like Von Miller is. Von Miller's a dog. I mean, he. I mean, that dude just wants to go out there and hurt a quarterback. I mean, he wants to go out there and get sacked. Do, do we have that in Tredavious? I mean, I know not all players are created equal, but I, I just want to know, I mean, do we have a number one corner? Will he go back to form? Yeah, uh, I'm going to answer that in the affirmative chance because, uh, and all you have to do if you need more on this is just go to the top ten things we learned in the offseason on buffalobills.com. The second thing I listed there 
was Tredavious White is back to his all-pro self. Um, this is a guy that doesn't speak it like Von Miller does. He goes out and does it. And ask anybody that's been out there at the spring practices, ask any coach, ask Brandon Bean who's commented on it. This guy looks like old Tredavious. And you're right, last year, coming back from the first major injury of his career, there was a mental hurdle for him, and it was a big one. And I think he, there were times where he struggled with it, and I think he had trouble having the self-confidence that has always been a part of his game. And at that position, if you are not resolutely confident that you are everything you have trained to be, it's hard to play at a consistent level there. And I think there's just a look in his eye now, Maddie. like just looking at him in the spring practices where he looks like he's got it all put back together. I, I think he will be a shutdown corner for them this year. And we've heard person after person after coach after coach after player after player comment on Trey's offseason and the confidence that he now has and the work ethic that he's had this offseason. And, and he's been a player even before the injury that people have said, I've never met somebody that works harder than Tredavious White. And these people, these players, these coaches this offseason have said that he's taken that to a different level which is insane because from the beginning he's always been the hardest worker, but to even do more than that this offseason I think says a lot about where he's going to be once it comes time to put the pads back on. And as we're talking about OTAs and we're talking about some of these offensive players looking good in OTAs, offense always looks better in OTAs. True. Because you're not – tackling you don't have pads on the defense can't really show up as much in OTAs because there's a level to what they can play up to they can't tackle they can't really touch they can't really hit or else they're going to get in trouble in practice we we saw some guys go a little bit too hard on play after play and and the offense was right there clapping back saying no you do not touch this player we're in OTAs we don't have pads on we just have shirts and hats on so we may not be talking about defensive players here leading up until training camp like we have with offensive players just because offensive players tend to look better in OTAs. Yeah. And I'm not faulting you, Chance, for not knowing Tredavious White's work ethic. You hear Vaughn talk and you hear him comment on you know, the positive mindset that he has. Tredavious White doesn't talk about it. He just goes and does it. And I'll just give you a small example. So at the end of mandatory minicamp, Coach McDermott, cancels the last day of practice, which was Thursday, as most coaches in the league do. They give them the last day off, enjoy your summer, we'll see you at training camp. So it's the Thursday, the canceled day of mandatory minicamp. Everybody is gone except for the rookies who had to stay an extra day, Mm -hmm. get a conditioning workout in, an extra classroom session, and then they left. I go by the training room, and Tredavious White is in there barefoot, doing one-foot heel raises (laughs) with, like, 240 pounds on the machine. Um, And he is grinding through it. You know what? He was there on Friday also. So now you're two days removed from everybody being able to get out of Dodge. He's still here working out. Uh, It's just a small example of what Tredavious brings to the table in terms of a work ethic. Let's go back to the phones, and we go to Rick in Albany. What do you got for us, Rick? 
Hey, thank you. Thank you for taking my call. Sure. Um, yeah, um, I've been hearing about the Cook conversation with the running back, and, you know, I hope the running game does pick up. But one of the – I feel that always been one of the trail things is when the uh, we get in the short yard situations, and I really think that Murray's going to really help us out on being that boulder, you know, getting them extra yards for getting, you know, the three the three or four yards necessary we need to get the first down. Or even more, more I see him being the breakout player is being getting us some touchdowns on there. Um and my other part my other player would be Elam on the other side of the ball the ball. Uh, everybody focuses on white, that's great, but Elam's gonna be that that ninja, that silent killer on the other side when they try to they can't throw it away, and they throw it on the other side of the field. Thank you. I want to listen to what you got to say. All right. Thanks for the call, Rick. You want to take that one, Maddie? Yeah, we're working on so throughout the off season and in the next couple weeks as we lead into training camp, we'll, we'll be releasing articles that are defensive players to watch, offensive players to watch, training camp sleepers, people to look forward to um, once training camp begins. I'm taking our defensive players to watch article, and Kyir Elam is at the top of the list. Um, this yeah. is a kid who's who's had just like James Cook a year under his belt in the system with the coaches with this defense, and it's time to take. That next step forward. Um, Dane Jackson and Kyir Elam, I think, will still battle it out this year in training camp. I do not think that Kyir Elam has has earned that starting spot. I'm not saying that because Kyir Elam hasn't proved it. I'm just saying it because that is what Sean McDermott tends to do with players um, who are not like eight, nine, ten-year veterans right. in the league. You have to earn that spot every single season. And we saw him toward the end of the year in a lot of games really show who he was, show the physical type of corner that he was. I go back to the Dolphins game. I was so impressed with how he played in that yeah, game, at the, game. The, yeah, the playoff game uh, toward the end of the season. With how he was able to cover Tyreek Hill, mm-hmm. it is Nearly impossible to do that down in, down out against a receiver that is as quick as Tyreek Hill. And there was not one time, not two times. There were multiple times where Kair Elam was running in stride with Tyreek Hill and was being a difference maker and taking the ball away from the Dolphins' offense by knocking it away by the way he was covering Tyreek Hill. It was very impressive to see. I think it was the type of corner that that Brandon Bean and and the coaching staff was hoping would come out at some point in the season. Um, And that physicality was awesome to see yeah and you know his interception in that wild card game pretty much turned the game around yeah because the bills were behind at that point in time in the third quarter he makes the pick inside the dolphins 30 yard line the bills go in to score and ultimately are able to pull that game out and i thought we saw a change in his play towards the end of the season when he did get a little more time on the field due in part to Christian Benford's injury Mm -hmm. because Benford, as we remember, was ahead of him on the depth chart and got more time than him most of the season, including week one when he started uh, over Elam. And I think the reason people are still sleeping on him is because he is going to be in a position battle. It's not just Elam and Jackson. I mean, Benford's going to be part of that conversation also 
And so who's going to end up being the second cornerback on this roster? We're going to have to figure it out in training camp. And that's probably why people are sleeping on him, because we don't even know if he's starting yet, yeah. which is crazy to yeah. think about you know, a first-round draft choice, but that is very much the case. So it's going to have to be sorted out when we get out to St. John Fisher in late July and early August. Break time here, but Ted and Lancaster, John and Auburn, hang tight. We get to you when we return. Here on One Bills Live, presented by Kaleida Health, it's Buffalo Bills Radio. the one Bills player you think people are sleeping on. You give us your pick at 803-0550-1888-550-2550, the number to get on board. We begin this segment with Ted in Lancaster. What do you got for us, Ted? Good morning, Chris and Maddie. Good afternoon, yeah, Chris Good afternoon, sure. Sorry about that. That's okay. Uh, my pick is Kahir Elam. Uh, he, a little disappointment last year when uh, Benford started the season as a starting cornerback. But I think this year, with one of your, one year of experience, I think he'll step up and earn that number one job. And the other thing I wanted to mention is I logged on right at 1 o'clock to try to get training camp tickets, tried for a half an hour with no luck. They all sold out. So oh, wow. we all went to um, season ticket holders. Wow. That's crazy. Most likely. Yeah, that's nuts. Um, yeah, yeah, I kept on trying to get back into the queue, and I would, and it shows the amount of people ahead of me. And initially it showed like 860 ahead of me, so I thought for sure I'd get some tickets, but no luck. I wanted to get a couple for myself and my grandson. Yeah, I mean, I'm not, and, no I'm not, and I'm not going to pretend, Ted, to know whether or not it's included with all those others. But I know the re- the return of the blue and red practice sometimes is a separate entity unto itself. I'm not going to pretend to know if it is or not, but I know there's usually more tickets available for that event because there's obviously more seating in the stadium than there is out at training camp. So if you want to contact the ticket office, it might be worth asking if the return of the blue and red is a separate ticket offering um, because I do know they seat significantly more people for that. Um, and if you're in Lancaster, you don't even have to go – all the way out to training camp in Rochester, you just shoot down to Orchard Park. So I'm hoping that's a second option for you, Um, but maybe check with the ticket office. They'll have a better answer for you than I will because I'm not going to pretend to know all the ins and outs about that. Uh, But it's a hot ticket because it's free. They went so (laughs) fast last year, too. I remember hearing from people and fans that, you know, similar situation, logged on, were able to get through to maybe where you're trying to choose the ticket or choose a seat, however it works, and they weren't able to complete it because they had all, yeah. all gone so fast. And I'm on Twitter right now, and I see people tweeting that people are now trying to sell them, which is so sad. Yeah. Like, if you're a fan, take the ticket for yourself or give them to friends for free. Why are you trying to profit off of something yeah. that's offered to you as free? That's so upsetting. Yeah, a little disappointing for <sighs> sure. To his point about Kair Elam, though, I will say this, because I think it is going to be somewhat of a three-person competition. Maybe it gets whittled down to two very early in training camp because we're all assuming Tredavious is on one side mm-hmm. and then who's going to be CB2. And while I have all the respect in the world for Dane Jackson and Christian Benford and their respective skill sets, I think it's safe to say that Kair Elam is the most physically gifted of the three players. That's not to say that the other two can't play in this league. They absolutely can't. But I think Elam has some special 
elite traits, which is one of the main reasons he was a first-round draft choice. So he's got to take that and then apply the mental side of the game to playing the position. And I think if he puts that together, he will end up winning that job. That's an if. It's Mm -hmm. not a guarantee, as we all know. Um, But if he comes through and is the guy that wins the starting job over there, you got two first-round picks as – or two outside do corners. You, do you think he'll, if he wins the job, do you think he will win the job because he can pair those physical gifts, that, that physicalness that he has in that position with his knowledge of the defense? Is there anything that, that I'm missing there that is going to put He's got to make plays. Maybe not even head and shoulders above the other two, but be the, the surefire, you won this job. Yeah, I think he's got to make some plays, like big plays, splash mm-hmm. plays, interceptions, you know, pass breakups in the end zone. Um, good run support player, tackle at the line of scrimmage, open field tackling, those kinds of things. Because that's what lifts you over the other guys. Everybody's capable of playing there because Dane Jackson, Christian Benford, and Kyrie Elam have all played out there. They've all started out Mm -hmm. there. So how do you separate yourself? Consistency and then making big plays. That's how you separate yourself. Good problem to have because at the end of the day, you know you have backups if you need to to go into, you know, if – Knock on wood that Trey's going to be healthy all season, but whoever doesn't win the job, you have two other cornerbacks who who can act as starters whenever they mm-hmm. need to. Got to take a break here. So apologies to John and Auburn. You will lead us off in hour number two because it's wide open for phone calls. So hang tight, John. We will get to you as well as John in Detroit and others holding behind them at 803-0550, 1-888-550-2550. There is an open line for you there if you want to chime in. On the one Bills player you think people are sleeping on, we're back for hour number two. Stay tuned. Live, presented by Kaleida Health. Hour number two on a rainy Monday here at One Bills Drive. It's One Bills Live. Chris Brown, Maddie Glab with you. And we're talking about sleepers. Bills players that you think people are sleeping on and uh, don't expect much from, and they're going to surprise the heck out of everybody when we get to the 2023 season in September, 803-0550, the number to get on board, one 888 the toll-free number to call, or you can hit us up on the tweet sheet at One Bills Live. As promised, we are going to John in Auburn, who's been waiting patiently. What do you got for us, John? Hey, Chris. How, hey, Maddie. How are you guys today? Good. Good. Uh, I got one for each side of the ball, actually. I got okay. uh, Khalil, Khalil Shakir uh, ahead of party in Sherfield. I think that's uh, that's probably established. We haven't made anything significant as far as a move uh, to bring in besides Hardy and Sherfield right. uh, for secure. And uh, my guy on the defensive side is Taylor Rapp. Um, I do believe he signed his free agent contract in Buffalo before Poyer. Um, I can see him on the field and obvious passing situations as that 
guy in the box standing next to Milano covering a running back, potentially a tight end, and uh, softening some of the blow of the loss of Edmonds. Um, one last thing, I'm hoping Cynthia Freeland is at camp again this year, Maddie, because you too, you too rock. Thanks, guys. See ya. All right. Thanks, John. Um, yeah, I would anticipate she'll be back. She's usually yeah. doing sidelines for preseason yeah, games for I us, too. I think she'll be doing sidelines, yeah, again this, this year. She's always great to have around. Oh, I love Cynthia. She is a nerd about football and you know <laughs> she, that make that makes a me happy nerd. that makes me happy like that's a term she uses yes. so i don't feel bad using it when we yes. have her on the show she's amazing um but yeah those are good picks i think shakir is going to be in for maybe a little bit stiffer competition than you think john and the only reason i say that is because if you look at what trent Sherfield did last year in miami this was a guy who got signed uh, away from San Francisco, obviously Mike McDaniel had a firm working knowledge of his abilities, having been in San Francisco with him. Yep. He brings him down to Miami. Cedric Wilson was their free agent signee uh, that they signed at the receiver position. They signed him away from Dallas. He was widely anticipated to be their slot receiver. And all Trent Sherfield did was beat him and everybody else out for the starting slot role. <laughs> he was the number three receiver on a team that had Jalen Waddell and Tyreek Hill as the top two guys. And by all accounts, and I know you saw more of practice than I did because we were in here doing the show sometimes for some of the practices, by most accounts, Sherfield had a bang-up spring um, and, and quickly acclimated to this offense. So I think Sherfield's going to be some stiff competition for Shakir. I think one thing about Sherfield too that you can just tell in the way that he acts and presents himself and goes through a practice and, and is talking to Josh Allen throughout plays and, and during breaks, he is a veteran in, in, in how he portrays himself on the practice field. You can tell he's done this, not for too much time. I mean, his first year in the NFL was 2018, but you can tell that he's been through this before. He's done that before. Um, and he looks like somebody who has who has been in a starting role and, and can offer that to this offense if, if that's the job that he earns and wins. And he had over 400 receiving yards last season. And when he got signed by the Buffalo Bills, there were multiple starters in Miami that were posting about Trent Sherfield being gone and surprised that he was gone and pissed off that he was gone. I think that also says a lot about the type of athlete and the type of person that he is and, and the type of guy that the Bills are getting this season. Yeah, I mean, when we had him in studio shortly after he signed in the spring, very quickly you could recognize this is a guy that is not afraid of hard work mm -hmm. because that's what he's had to do to stay in this league. Um, you know, he's one of those guys that was not highly touted, not highly drafted, had to work for everything he's gotten in this league. And I think now that he feels he's finally reached a point where he's at critical mass, he wants to make the most of it. And yet, despite all of that and all the improvements he's made to his game, this is his third team in three years. It's never come easy for him. So when things are hard or he's in the throes of a competition, it's like an everyday occurrence for him. So he doesn't shy away from a competition if anything he flourishes in one so it's going to be a very interesting competition at that spot also between him Shakir and maybe to a certain extent Hardy mm -hmm. um, depending on how the reps 
shake out in training camp. As we're going through this roster and people are picking sleepers, I'm realizing more and more, like, there's more things we're going to have to keep our eye on than I, I initially thought I um, with some of the competitions that we're expecting. From one John to another, we go to John in Detroit. What do you got for us, John? Hey, Chris, Maddie. Uh, thanks for taking my call. Sure. A uh, little bit of love for uh, my old position in high school. Uh, guard, uh, you know, I'm really looking forward to Connor McGovern. And, uh, well, that whole offensive line, uh, Cyrus and Torrance, uh, both of those guys, uh, you had a pretty good guy in Buffalo there I played against for two seasons in high school, Joe DeLamalier back in the late 60s. Okay. Uh, we lined up head-to-head and uh, for a couple of years in a row. He's uh, one, one class under me. Great guy. I saw him last year at the Hall of Fame when the Bills and the Ravens played on TV there in one of those tailgate uh, outfits. But uh, as excited as we can get about James Cook and all that, it's, it's these grinders down on the line who uh, particularly uh, – McGovern, I mean, they went out and got this guy from Dallas and uh, signed him to three years. And let's just hope, uh, you know, Cyrus is uh, is going to develop a lot quicker than a second-round draft pick. Maybe he's still a, a true first-round pick. And, uh, you know, the electric company did pretty good. Uh, <laughs> Joe D's the only guy from the Detroit Catholic High School League ever making it to the NFL Hall of Fame. So uh, let's give the linemen some love. Yeah, I, I don't have a problem with that, John. Good call. And he's right. I mean, you look at – the free agent contracts they handed out, Maddie, this offseason, they weren't breaking the bank on a lot of these signings. The McGovern signing was one of the few ones that they did spend a lot of money. It's the most total contract value, aside from the Ed Oliver extension, that they spend on a free agent. And yeah. I think it's because they want this guy to be a plug-and-play person at the guard spot for them. One of the first guys, too. That mm-hmm. was one of the first moves that they made or one of the first bigger moves that they made this offseason, and y- you could tell. Brandon Bean is putting money into this offensive line via guys like Connor McGovern, David Edwards, um, Osiris Torrance by drafting him. And we hear them, Brandon and Sean, say time and time again, you really build first through the trenches. And we've got a lot of offensive linemen and a lot of defensive linemen on this roster. So I'm really interested to see how it all shakes out through training camp and when we're going to be able to start to see, okay, these guys are, are looking like the starting five for this season because there's some spots that, that are open for the offensive line and then spots that are open for the defensive line in terms of guys who are going to be rotating through because we know that's how um, the defensive line likes to play under Coach Washington. But, yeah, the offensive line this season – if they can find a five that is going to stay on the field and stay healthy throughout the season, I'm looking forward to seeing the type of protection that Josh Allen can get this season. Yeah, should be a deeper group based on the investments that they made there. Um, and then, yeah, hopefully the health is a lot better and you can keep the same five guys in there for at least most of the season. Back to the phones and to Scott in Florida. What do you got for us, Scott? Yeah. I'm looking at the combination of Josh and Cook and McClay. It's going to be wonderful. When you put them with our good guys, it's all coming together, I think. You mean Cook and Kincaid? Is that who you're talking about? Yes, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I, I like that. I mean, those are names that have been mentioned before, so you're not alone, Scott. And I think there is <laughs> – we can talk about this because it's obvious – like none of us know for sure we have our hypotheses, you know, as to how good cook's going to be in the backfield, even if we don't know the usage. 
We suspect that Kincaid is going to be on the field sooner rather than later. Um, he's very excited about those two guys. I wonder if people are more excited, Maddie, about Cook as a runner or as a pass catcher in terms of making plays, big plays. Um, because we've kind of heard a mix of both here so far. Some people have called and said, Cook's my guy. I think he's going to be more explosive as a runner than Singletary. And then we've heard other people say, you know, the way he can catch the ball is very exciting. I wonder where he makes a bigger impact. Is it going to be as a runner or is it going to be as a receiver? I mean, he'll get opportunity to do both. but mm-hmm. and, and both rooms are, are pretty crowded, too. You talked about the usage that he could have and he could do the type, type of reps that he's going to get when he's going to be lined up in the backfield as a running back with the other guys that they're going to use and Damian Harris, Naheem Hines and, and Latavius Murray possibly as well. And, and how is that going to shake out? How, how are they going to share the rock in that regard? And then when he's going to be catching the ball, you've got other wide receivers. And of course he's going to be used differently um, than a lot of the other wide receivers in that wide receiver room. But it's not like this is an offense with the weapons that they have that they are thin. They've got a lot of people in these position groups. Uh, we'll see who kind of rises to the top in training camp. And I think as we talk about sleepers and James Cook and, and, and Dalton Kincaid and Trent Sherfield and, and whatnot, I also think about Ken Dorsey in year two. How is it going to be different? How How is it going to be the same but even better? Are we going to see a lot of similar things, but are we going to see it at a higher level this season? Uh, wh- what are the new wrinkles to this offense? Is Dalton Kincaid going to be involved in that? Is James Cook going to be involved in that? What about Damian Harris? Uh, really interested to see kind of this year two with Ken Dorsey because of the type of person that he is. and because of the type of workhorse that he is, he's a guy that when you talk about Trey White being here when nobody else was here, there were weeks right after the season when it was pretty quiet around. And who did I see? I saw Ken Dorsey a lot right after the season. And I've continued to see him throughout the off season in this building. Um, The way that he talked about going through every single game this past year and learning from everything, um, going through things again, and, and then being with Josh Allen for a second year in that offensive coordinator role is very different than being his quarterback's coach. The type of communication that we've heard that has been better between Josh Allen and Ken Dorsey, um, I'm really excited to see how this offense can kind of mature even more from last season because you have a second-year play caller. That's not an easy job to do as a first-year play caller. We know the type of background he has as a quarterback that he had when he was at the University of Miami, the record that he had when he was a college quarterback. But being a play caller for the first time, not an easy task. Year two is going to be easier to go through some of those motions. Yeah, I think he'll be much improved. Not that he was bad last year. I mean, some of the numbers of this offense eclipsed what it was under Brian Mm -hmm. Dable last year as a first-year play caller. So now in his second year, it should only be onward and upward from here. Let's go back to the phones at 803-0550, number to get on board. Got some open lines for you there. But we go to Zach in Buffalo next. What do you got for us, Zach? Hey, Chris and Maddie. Nice to talk to you guys. Sure. So I got two for you, if that's all right. Uh, Real quick, real quick, Damian Harris is someone I'm real excited for. I know I think a lot of the hype goes to 
James Cook when we're talking about the running back room. Mm-hmm. But as soon as we signed him, a lot of highlights came to mind, specifically a lot of big runs against the Bills. So he's someone I'm real excited for. Yeah. And then how about A.J. Klein on the defensive side? Uh, we obviously lost Terrell Edmonds. That's a big hole to fill, literally some big shoes to fill. But he's a guy who's been hanging around this roster for a few years, and if he gets most of those snaps at middle linebacker, that's something I'm real comfortable with. All right, Zach, good call. Thanks for it. Um, let's start with Damian Harris. I was waiting for somebody to call mm-hmm. and say Damian Harris because, to Zach's point, the guy was a Bills killer. I mean, he's got – I think he had three touchdowns in, four, in his last four yeah, games against the Bills. Um, and everybody remembers – the 64-yard run for a touchdown in the windswept game that finished 14-10 to 10 in favor of the Patriots. Well, now he's on this side of the fence, and I'll say for one, I'm happy about it. And I think he brings a downhill rushing element to the team that they ha- did not have previously. I mean, even they drafted Zach Moss in the hope that he could be that. But it never materialized, and after Zach Moss broke his ankle in that indie playoff game in 2020, he never seemed like the same guy after that, and ultimately he gets moved in the Naheem Hines trade. And Damian Harris, I think, Maddie, you look at his career, I think almost three-quarters of his career touchdowns have come from five yards and in. This is a guy that can push the pile, um, can take maybe some of that goal line rushing load off of Josh, so he's not taking as many hits and getting beat up. And I think what's underrated about Damian Harris is his speed. Yes, he's a downhill runner, but he's got some juice, and he's only 24 years old. The, I think the one caveat with him is he's got to stay healthy. He does have a history of hamstring tweaks in his career, so he's got to be on top of that. And I think with this athletic training staff, that should happen. But – yeah, I'm surprised it took until hour two to mention Damian Harris. <laughs> yeah, he played in only 11 games last season. He, you know, Ramondre Stevenson really had a breakout year this past year for the Patriots, so that probably had to do with some of that as well. Going into year five, um, he had 15 rushing touchdowns during that 2021 season. Uh, I'm excited to see how he can offer that to the Bills. I like the attitude that he plays with. He's got some swag. He's got some – he's a mean runner and we haven't had that on this roster um I think back to Sean and Brandon's first year and I started covering this team in 2019 and you talked about Zach Moss and how that didn't really materialize we really haven't had that bulldozer type running back on this roster and he can be that and that takes that takes a load off of what Josh Allen needs to do and Josh has always been that maybe when some of the coaching staff didn't want him to be that, but he chose to be that in some situations. And maybe he's not going to have to do that this season. And Damian Harris can, can definitely help with that. I'm, I'm excited to have that element to our roster that is proven. You're not taking a rookie in Zach Moss who's going to take a couple years to 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 get into it and get with it. You're you're taking a player who has played at that level with the Patriots, who's had the stats, um, and who is proven. And you can hopefully do a copy paste. There's not going to be. It's not going to take three years for him to get involved in this offense. It's it's a play now, have an impact now type of mentality for him. As for A.J. Klein, I think whether he'll be part of the competition for the starting role remains to be seen. I, th- 
I view him, and this is no knock on him, Maddie, but I view him as their veteran insurance policy. It's a guy that knows the defense inside and out. He's called this defense before in his career. I think the limitations of his game as a coverage player make him an insurance policy. If none of these young, unproven guys like Terrell Bernard, Dorian Williams, uh, Balin Spector, and Tyrell Dodson, if none of these guys are separating themselves at the starting position in a competition, whether it's in training camp or in the preseason games, this is your fallback option. Right. That's how kind of I see it. I don't know. Maybe you see it differently. No, I see it. I see it that way as well. And I feel really good about that. And you could say people are sleeping on him in in terms of him being that fail safe option is if he is going to be the guy or if he is going to be the guy that fills in or or if he's going to see playing time on the field whenever that happens, however that happens, I feel really good about having him on the field. He can't do some of the things that that a Matt Milano can do, that some of your more matchup linebackers can do, but he has been in this defense with Sean McDermott since before they were both a part of the Buffalo Bills. Go back to the Carolina Panthers day. Um, he is a really good veteran to have in that room. I think you could say people are sleeping on what he brings to that room um, as a veteran with how he can teach some of these younger guys, how he can teach a Terrell Bernard and a Dorian Williams. Uh, if it ends up being Dorian Williams, who is on the field for week one, a reason why he's going to earn that starting spot is because he's going to pick up the defense in a short amount of time, and A.J. Klein is going to be a big part of that. A.J. Klein is going to be a big helper in that room when you have a guy who Sean McDermott has talked about did not play in a really hard defense to learn when he was at Tulane. It's it's going to be a lot for that rookie um, to be able to pick up a defense that is not the easiest to learn if it's him on the field week one. Yeah, an anticipator in every sense of the word. And while I might not be ready to put him in the starting lineup or even in the competition for the starting middle linebacker job, I do feel pretty confident that he's going to be on the 53-man roster. Yes. We know that Sean McDermott likes to have a veteran in every position room. And this is a great veteran to put in that room where there is a balance of, as we said, unproven players, at least at the NFL level. 803-0550, the number to get on board. Who is the one Bills player you believe people are sleeping on? Let's crack open the tweet sheet here. I haven't done that yet on the show. Tweet sheet is always brought to you by Corrigan Moving Systems, the official equipment moving company of the Buffalo Bills. Matthew leads us off, and he says, A.J. Epinesa is my vote. I think he breaks through this year. Everyone's counting him as a second-round bust. That's a little strong. He had seven sacks and two forced fumbles last year. Being that it's a contract year, and with the added attention to Von Miller and Leonard Floyd, I could see him easily getting 10 sacks this year. He's probably a rotational guy because of the people in front of him on the depth chart. And while seven sacks is good for a rotational player, um... He's really got to show up here in training camp because there are other people on this roster nipping at his heels. Boogie Basham is a name that you already mentioned, Maddie, And then Kingsley Jonathan, who was here on the roster last year as a practice squad player as a rookie, got some time on the field at the end of the year, played in the Chicago game, mm-hmm. flashed a couple of times. I think that's a guy that's kind of nipping at their heels as well. So there is a boatload 
of competition. And we haven't even mentioned Shaq Lawson, who's arguably the best <laughs> run-defending defensive end on this roster. May not be the best pass rusher on the roster, but you want to talk about setting an edge at the defensive end position, you'd be hard-pressed to find a better guy on this roster uh, than Shaq Lawson in that area of the game. So A.J.'s got his work cut out for him, along with all those other guys I just mentioned. Because Steve and I were talking about on the show last week, Maddie. you want to talk about a position that's going to have a lot of difficult decisions to get down to the 53? Yeah, it's defensive shoot. end. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a good problem to have, but it's still a problem. <laughs> And picking you, the right people. You wonder, are they going to carry an extra guy on the roster just because it, it is so hard to make those decisions or, or because, not because it's too hard to make the decisions, they can make those decisions. They're but, challenging. But maybe because they feel like they need an extra body and they feel like that extra body can really help um, being on the 53-man roster. I hope people are sleeping on A.J. Epinesa. I want him to have that breakout season. I want him to have that consistent year. I want him to have another 7, 8, 9, 10 sack season. I want to see it out of him. This is the year to prove that and prove that you belong on this roster and prove that you're, you should be a part of that rotational um however many players then nine deep rotating eight deep rotating uh every single game i want him to show up and prove it in training camp um same as boogie it's time this is this is your year do you want to be a starter on this team or not let's see what you can do in training camp and i'm sure they feel that pressure as well I, i know you know we're talking about it but i'm sure they can feel it with the amount of guys that are in that room right now Darlene on the tweet sheet says, Khalil Shakir, last season he showed some promising plays and games that were meaningful. I feel like this is his season to show what he's made of. Don't sleep on him. It's a popular choice, Darlene. You're probably about the fourth or fifth person we've heard from today who has picked Khalil Shakir, and we totally understand why. He did make promising plays that were meaningful at the end of the year last season. We do have to take a break here. Still taking your phone calls at 803-0550. 1-888-550-2550. The one Bills player you think people are sleeping on for the upcoming season. You let us know, and we'll get your, your answers on next. Here on One Bills Live, presented by Collada Health, it's Buffalo Bills Radio. Welcome back to a Monday edition of One Bills Live. Chris Brown, Matty Glad with you. And there is some news afoot in the NFL. As we know, HBO was trying to find a team to be the subject of their annual Hard Knocks program. And there are reports out there that they have found their team. And it is the New York J-E-T-S Jets, Jets, Jets. That, according to Pro Football Talk's Mike Florio, apparently a source has informed him that the Jets will be the Hard Knocks team this season. The Jets apparently had no interest in being assigned as the HBO Hard Knocks team, but because they did not make the playoffs, um, they cannot refuse the assignment. If you make the playoffs, you can turn it down. If you do not, you cannot. At least I believe that's how it works. Um, I think there's one other exception. If you were the team the previous year, you can't, you don't have to be again this year because they did approach Detroit mm-hmm. and ask if they would do it again. My guess is they said no, but holy cow, what a circus that's going to be. 
That is so delicious. Sign me up. I'm here for all of it. I have appointment viewing. I haven't watched this in a few years. Yes. Give me all of it. Not I, to, I just want to watch. Not to mention <laughs> the fact that the Bills, as we know, kick off the season with the Jets down at MedLife Stadium in week one, Monday night football. So it would behoove most Bills fans to kind of keep an eye on this, mm-hmm. see what's going down in New York if you want to get a handle on the opponent and how things are going with one Aaron Rodgers down there. So the last time they were on Hard Knocks, Rex Ryan was the coach, and it was 2010 or 2011, I can't remember. Um, and they were doing training camp up at Cortland, at SUNY Cortland. And I remember Darrell Rivas was holding out for a contract. He's at a diner in Roscoe, New York. Oh, my gosh. The drama alone. And that's when Rex Ryan famously said, now let's go get a GD snack. <laughs> um, you know, after a spirited address of the team and an evening meeting room. Oh, my gosh. It's going to be glorious. Cannot wait. And I hope, as much as I've hoped for anything, that it is a major distraction for that football team. Yep. Only hope for that. Uh, 803-0550, 1-888-550-2550. Number to get on board is we are asking you, who is the one Bills player you think people are sleeping on that could have a breakout season this year? On the tweet sheet, East Zone Coverage says, Dorian Williams. That is a bold pick, East Zone Coverage. Excellent speed, goodwill type linebacker. We'll likely see him more towards the back half of the season as things unfold. But as Milano assumes more of the Mike role, I don't think that's happening. You'll start to see Dorian Williams picking up the trash at weak side linebacker. We'll have to see. Um, He's part of the middle linebacker competition. It's not to say he hasn't lined up at will because he's played both positions in college at Tulane. And they said they want to see how quickly he can pick up the defense, which Mm -hmm. will largely determine whether he remains at the middle linebacker competition spot or whether he does slide over to the other. I don't think they're going to mess with Matt Milano's spot, though. The guy's an all-pro at weak side linebacker. Don't change that. That works really well. Sean McDermott was asked if Matt Milano would switch positions, I think right when guys came back for workouts in April, or maybe it was like the first OTA practice, and he said, no, that would not be the case. I keep going back to when we heard from Bobby Babich, we heard from Mm -hmm. all the defensive coaches throughout OTAs, which was awesome to kind of hear them talk about their position groups and and the guys in it, some of the new players, players coming back from injury. And Bobby Babich, of course, was asked of that competition and, and what he thought of it and what they're looking for. And he didn't say this is exactly what they're looking for, but he did say with the way the NFL and offenses are played now in today's NFL if you're able to have two matchup linebackers, that bodes well for you. You can run um, a really good defense. You can do a lot more things if you have two matchup linebackers because of the type of types of offenses we're seeing in today's NFL. Matt Milano, matchup linebacker. Dorian Williams could be that. He needs to learn the defense. And again, I said this earlier, it's not easy to learn. It's not something Mm -hmm. that happens over a couple weeks. It's something that happens over months. It's something that could happen over an entire season. He might be playing and learning and picking it up. Matt Milano might have to, if 
if it is Dorian Williams on the field or even Terrell Bernard, one of the younger guys, Matt Milano is going to have to probably do a little bit more in his role, knowing that he has a younger player next to him, even if it's Tyrell Dodson next to him. That's some that's somebody that hasn't had as much starting experience as Matt Milano has had. But but those are two guys in, in Terrell and Dorian who do kind of fit up, fit make up that prototype of, of NFL linebacker that this defense may want to move toward over the next few years if it's not this year or the year after. Maybe maybe Dorian Williams can be that guy when he's ready and comfortable with the defense. Let's go back to the phones at 803-0550, to Justin in Depew next. What do you got for us, Justin? You're on One Bills Live. Hey, guys. How you doing today? Good. Good. Um, I don't know if anyone's brought this up yet, but I think what Terrius Murray is a possible possible sleeper. Um, I think Bills fans, when we sign him, they're just assumed he's going to be another T.J. Yeldon, Duke Johnson type. Um, the reason I bring him up is a Damian Harris's injury history, so there's mm-hmm. a possibility he'll miss some games. Um, B, I don't think people realize how good of a year Latavius Murray had last year. Um, he had some real pop. I know he's 33, but he played really well for the Broncos. And Damian Harris in New England ran a lot from uh, non-shot confirmation from under center. And I think there might be an adjustment period for him for as much as the Bills run shotgun, um, especially when it comes to pass protection, catching out of the backfield and stuff like that. Uh, so I think possibly health-dependent. I know he's an older running back that Latavius Murray could take more snaps maybe than people realize taking away from Damian Harris, uh, especially on third down. And he's a straight power runner like Damian Harris, but just his experience and him being running from the shotgun more, I think people would be surprised how much we use him. Yeah. That's a good call, Justin, and well thought out as well. Yeah, he averaged 4.4 yards a carry last year, uh, playing basically between New Orleans and Denver. He only played one game for New Orleans, and then the Saints had to put him on waivers because they had to accommodate another position that needed more bodies. So they put him on waivers saying, oh, we'll get him back and whatever, and then Denver's like, "Uh, no, we need him (laughs) because we lost Javante Williams for the season, and he played there and did quite well. Um, Yeah, the shotgun thing. It, it's a valid point. I just wonder how much the offense morphs and changes this year because I think there was a lot to be said at the end of the season by fans mainly that play action was not used nearly enough by the Bills last season, and it was something that Brian Dable did use more than Ken Dorsey did. Do they go back to that because of some of the deficiencies they might have observed in the run game? I'm just guessing. They might. They might not. Um, I'm not trying to indicate that Latavius Murray is somebody that's an afterthought. Um, I think Damian Harris is a little bit better physical skill set all the way around. He is certainly faster than Latavius Murray. If you want to argue for Murray's behalf, he's, he's a bull. I mean, he is a pile pusher. He's a big, strong athlete at six foot three you know, 230-something pounds, so he's a big boy. But, um, yeah, he'll get a chance. Make no mistake, he'll get a chance. And maybe all of them are on the roster, you know, when all is said and done. Maybe it's Murray, Harris, and, you know, James Cook, and they have the two big bodies 
to go with Cook. Uh, and maybe Naheem Hines is strictly a return man. I remember, you know, a couple of years I'd pick up Latavius Murray for my fantasy football teams. Oh. And I was always excited when I, when I ended up picking him up because this is a running back that works. He has carries. He has rushing yards. Um, he gets in the end zone. Regardless of the team that he's on, he's always been a type of workhorse. And the only year he had under uh, 500 rushing yards was his first year in the NFL. So so he's put up numbers, maybe not as, as your number one running back, um, but he's been a reliable option for, for every single team that he's been on. And, yeah, you look back to Denver, he did a lot for them. He played in 12 games, had over 700 rushing yards, um, five rushing touchdowns, started in seven games for them last season. So that's we keep going back to some of these position groups that, that are – we're sleeping on certain players, but these are also position groups that will be very intriguing once we get to training camp because we just don't know what it's going to look like. The numbers that they could carry on this 53-man roster, if there could be an extra guy in, in the running backs room or, or on the offensive line or on the defensive line, how is it all going to shake out? Every year we've said it's it's tougher and tougher to make this roster, and I agree with that this season, but I think this year just the – the mind games that you play with yourself of how is this going to shake out? How, who's going to fit here? Who's going to fit there? It's almost like there's not enough spaces for these guys. I know we say that every single year, but this year the depth that this team has, I think, is unlike the depth that they've had since Sean and Brandon took over. Every single position group, I think you could say, is better off because of what they did in the offseason. And I think that's going to pay off, hopefully, once we get to week one in the type of team that we see on the field. going to be a, a very hard roster to make, for sure, no matter how talented you are, just because of the depth of talent they've been able to accumulate this offseason. From Buffalo Bills Biz on the tweet sheet, my sleeper is James Cook. You will see. Like the confidence there. <laughs> like the confidence there. We have to take a break. Uh, when we come back, some final thoughts on the tweet sheet about sleeper picks for the 2023 season. Who is a Bills player you believe people are sleeping on? More of your choices next here on One Bills Live, presented by Collider Health. It's Buffalo Bills Radio. All right, some final thoughts on the tweet sheet here on One Bills Live. Chris Brown, Maddie Glad with you. We've got some new names here, Maddie. Pat says, I think Justin Shorter is going to be the diamond in the rough this year with mm. Diggs, Knox, and Kincaid getting all the attention. A 6'4 wide receiver will be a nice target for Josh. Taylor Rapp will be the difference maker on the other side of the ball. I'm glad Sean will be making the play calls. Steve says Gabe Davis is probably the correct answer, but I will say Spencer Brown may be a candidate as well. People are down on him, but he's battled through injury and has never actually been 100%. I believe he will surprise fans when he is healthy. There's another third-year player. Yeah, We had Greg Rousseau earlier in the show. Spencer Brown's another third-year guy. I think Spencer Brown is a great option to have here, a player that I think a lot of people are sleeping on because of the injuries that he's had and, and how that's affected him uh, on the offensive line. 
I'm really interested to see how how he comes out this season. I would love to see a healthy season from him. Hopefully that's the case. And if it is the case, Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott are confident with what they have in Spencer Brown. Um, they know he hasn't been dealt the easiest card with the injuries that he's had in his first couple years as an NFL offensive lineman. But if he can do that this season, it'd be great to have your right tackle figured out. Yeah. Patrick on the tweet sheet says, new addition, Deontay Hardy. I just think it's his unfa- the unfamiliarity with his game, but this guy can stretch the field vertically, also get loose on bubble screens and out routes. Guy is a burner. We've heard Brandon Bean say it, Matty. This guy has another gear, even though he's already instantly explosive off the line. There's another gear he hits after the catch, and I think they're hoping that he can be a real – yards after the catch weapon and an area of Buffalo's passing game that has ranked very low the last few years. He's gotten some catches, had some catches in OTAs where he has hit that second gear and, and I'm doing a double take like this guy has some speed to him once he gets going and then with him you wonder is he going to play a role on special teams this year as well? Yeah I think oh he's going to be yeah. in the return man mix for sure. He's going to be stiff competition mm-hmm. for Naheem Hines. Bills Mafia 1981 says Ed Oliver with Daquan and Ford. He's going to be dangerous and he is healthy. Honorable mention to Trey White. People forget he is a top five corner. And finally, Ed says Dawson Knox. Watch out for him this season. Hey, if people are paying attention to Kincaid, they won't be paying attention to him. Mm-hmm. We have an abbreviated show tomorrow as we give Sabres Live one of our hours for draft prep. The NHL draft's coming up. So we're on from 2 to 3 tomorrow. Maddie and I will see you then.